happened did you need the money etc etc all of that hello and welcome i am shashank mehta founder at the whole truth foods as the founder of a young startup i have seen first hand the immense challenges that come with starting and scaling a company no founder can be fully prepared for what entrepreneurship looks like but we can definitely learn from the giants who've come before us stalwart founders who built great companies and who perhaps faced those very same challenges and overcome them on this podcast i speak to them founder to founder and try and unearth the whole truth of starting up let's begin hey folks welcome to another episode of the whole truth of starting up today i have the pleasure of hosting arjun vaidya founder and ceo of dr vaidya's india's largest online ayurveda brand arjun is a friend and mentor to many of us founders in the d2c space and he's also one of the very very few d2c founders to have built and exited his startup and so in today's chat i'll try and decode the whole truth of exiting a startup with arjun welcome arjun and thank you so much for being with us today thanks thanks shashank for for having me and i, I must say that uh, it's my pleasure to be on, on this conversation because Uh, other than you being a friend i am a huge fan of the brand as well so so really excited to be part of this conversation that's so kind of you that's so kind of you and we're so early in our journey we've learned a lot uh, from stalwarts like you who've come before us and that's the reason we do this uh, podcast so that you know we can also give back to other founders who are just starting out and tackling complex questions and and on that note before i get to the meat of the conversation about exiting uh, why don't you uh, you know give a quick elevator pitch summary of uh, dr vedya's journey as a brand so that our listeners have context about where the brand comes from sure so i haven't done this uh, for a little bit so it it feels nice to do it again so look uh, very quickly vedya my last name means ayurvedic doctor i come from a legacy of 150 years of ayurveda in my family uh, my grandfather great grandfather and generations before ayurvedic doctors the legacy of our business actually wasn't a business it was an ayurvedic clinic that my grandfather and my great grandfather used to run um i grew up with juvenile bronchitis and i'm cured of asthma using ayurvedic treatment so it meant more to me than just family legacy it allowed me to start playing cricket again it allowed me to have ice cream for the first time in my life so ayurveda meant a lot to me i went to the us i did my undergrad there um i saw a move to a natural organic products i also saw yoga being repackaged and patriotic that i am uh, i thought we should not let the same happen with ayurveda in the sense that they took what we had repackaged and sold it back to us right with yoga mats yoga gyms yoga apparel lululemon those kind of things so came back to india did 3 uh, years in private equity at a fund called l capital now called l caritas a focus on the consumer sector and and saw some big changes happen in india so i think um, i grew up in an india obsessed with imported products i came back to an india happy to consume quintessentially indian brand uh, ayurveda was undergoing its own renaissance 2014 to 2019 and i got to work on e-commerce early on right 2013 14 15 So all of these macro things were happening, and my grandfather passed, and so um, I made him a promise at some point I'll do something with the legacy, and and yeah, I was 24 and a half at the time, so I said, look, uh, this is the only time that I can take this risk and just make it happen. So I quit my job, started a company, named it Doctor Vedyas to take 150 years of our family legacy and 5,000 years of Ayurvedic science and try to repackage to appeal to modern consumers. Um, long story short, we we started on. we started with two products in october 2016 one is called livid up which is a hangover shield others called herbofit chavanprash in capsule form um and failed miserably offline in the first 3 4 months uh by mid 2017 
uh, pretty much decided offline wasn't for us. And uh, that time sort of made the concept of it to pivot online before D2C was hot and exciting and cool, by the way. 2017, there was no word like D2C. It was digital first, online only types. My wife was uh, at, um, uh, at Goldman, the UK, and she had come back to India and she was working at, uh, she was the founding team at Nike actually. Um, and uh, this time we were dating. Uh, so I convinced her to come and, and join the ship and help build e-commerce. She uh, was got she got convinced. Family wasn't okay, so we waited till we got engaged. Then she joined, and and from there we sort of started our journey. And the rest is history. Basically, we built pretty large Ayurveda brand, got up to five thousand orders a day, did a million and a half orders just around the website. And the exciting part about what we did was we reached sixteen and a half thousand pin codes. So really built a pan India brand without offline distribution, which is to me, um, the most exciting part about what we did. And yeah, I think uh, we were lucky to bring a strategic investor on board who designated what we did. And in 2020, like like for most health and wellness businesses, was a standout year for us. Um, yeah. Eventually got an offer from them to acquire the business. Um, we took the offer and in March 2021, um, officially exited the business. Yeah, so that's the that's the doctor way. There's four and a half years in a few minutes. In a few minutes. I'm so sorry. I apologize for making you do this. I know... So much blood, sweat, and tear goes into it. It almost feels wrong to ask to summarize it, but that was just the preamble to what I want to get into next. Uh, and you touched upon it, which is the fact that you uh, very early on took investment from the RPSG group, which uh, in the VC world world would be called taking investment from a strategic. Uh, you know, someone who operates a business in the same space as in which you operate a business, uh, and and. You know, there are a ton of decisions around whether you should uh, get invested in by a strategic because some believe it limits then uh, your ability to raise from venture capitalists. Uh, and there are so many other options of raising from angels, raising from small fund, big fund, strategic, etc. How did you go about that decision when you were deciding to uh, get RPSG Group on board? Shashank, I think uh, like as much as we theorize these things, right, eventually whether it's an exit or raising capital, it comes down to something super personal, right? It's two people in a room having a conversation to build a partnership, right? So while I came from private equity, I had all these theories, all of these things that I thought about. I eventually um, ended up just looking at that specific situation and seeing what was best for the business at that period of time, right? So look, from an angel perspective, I'm an active angel now, so I recommend people take angel, but I didn't... Uh, I, I didn't do any uh, angel round for Dr. Vedas because actually my family did the seed, right? So the first, I would say $500,000, my dad had left behind some money for this vision if it ever happened. And so basically we used that money and we started, right? So we didn't dilute at that time and, and sort of um, did what we had to. Look, I think uh, there are good and bad things with that, right? The good thing is you don't dilute at all. The bad thing is you're basically on your own then, right? So as much as you get advisors and mentors and all of those things and people are nice and they give you time, there is no one with skin in the game in your business except you, right? And so initially as a single founder at 24 and a half years old, I really struggled, right? So eventually I had to rope my wife in and bring a co-founder and be able to sort of manage because look, CPG is complicated, right? It, it's um, especially in a business which did manufacturing ourselves. Uh, I had to run a factory. I had to do finance, accounts, procurement, supply chain, sales, marketing, distribution, legal, HR, IT, admin, like, and strategy and, and maybe fundraise. And that was like too much for me to handle, um, both with limited experience and also in general, like even today, if you ask me to do all those things alone, I may not be able to do it. Right. So, so 
I think from that perspective, um, we didn't raise an angel round, and that's a honest challenge that we faced. Right, it was a pretty lonely journey. When it came to the fundraise, actually, to be honest, Shashank, we also raised money at a different time, right? Like D two C was not hot at that time, and uh, initially in 2017, 2018, when we were going to investors, they were like, "Like you cannot ha- operate a website which gets sales more than 50, 100 orders a day, right?" Like that was the conversation that was happening, and people were saying, "Like you have to be offline and stuff." And and because we had failed so miserably, I was like fundamentally scared of going back offline, right? So we said, Chalo, we'll, we'll keep it going. So it was a different paradigm, right? Like our paradigm when we were operating Dr. Vedias was, Hey, we have to convince Shashank to come online. If he comes online, he'll buy Dr. Vedias, right? If he's buying Ayurveda because there's nobody else taking that risk, but convincing Shashank online was a challenge, right? So numbers were very different at that time. Scale was very different in my head. If you told me, would we get to 5,000 hours a day at 50 hours a day? I would have said no, right? It's not possible. I would have said like online brands cannot reach there, right? Because everybody was questioning at that time. And so you finally end up questioning it, right? So I remember like cutting cakes when we reach 100 orders a day, 200 orders a day, 300, every 100 orders we'd cut a cake, right? And, and eventually it became like, okay, you're cutting a cake three times a week, but we did it. But but like that's how we were thinking at that time in, in 2018, 2019. I think when we eventually decided we need to raise capital and sort of hypercharge this business, it was only after we had got PMF. And for me, PMF was like 50, 100 orders a day on your own website, right? Because until then you don't even know whether there's enough market today. Like everybody knows D2C works at that time. We didn't know. Right. So I think we waited for that to happen. Then that happened at a cap, which made like reasonable sense. And, and, and we smelled the business. And I feel like as, as founders, as entrepreneurs, you always smell when it's working. Right. And you know, when it's not working, when it starts working, you smell it. Like you're like, okay, now this can be really big. Right. And once we reached that in November, 2018, then we said, okay, now this is a business. This is not just two young people trying to like throw darts onto a dartboard and seeing what works. And it's now really something that can be a really big brand. And then we started with our fundraise journey. I wasn't as theoretical about, do I want a VC? Do I want a strategic? Do I want all of these things? We had all the options on the table. Eventually we chose someone who had most conviction to what we were doing, right? They weren't questioning, does Ayurveda work? Um, do you think this can be big? None of that, right? It was like, this can be really, really large. You are the right people for this opportunity. Now let's find a way to work. So we eventually chose the people who said, look, we believe in you and we believe this can be like 100 times the size it is right now because you are right. Your products are right. Your vision is right, etc. All of that. So eventually look, there are pros and cons of a strategic, right? And, and we knew all the pros and cons and, and, and we can discuss that. We knew all the pros and cons getting into it. Uh, but eventually just like the people and their conviction in relation to what we were doing. So then we said, okay, look, you are the right people. We want to work with you. Now let's make a structure that makes both parties incentivized to make this work. Got it. And actually let's actually do that for the, you know, the young founders listening to this, uh, podcast that what are the top pros and cons of getting a strategic, uh, in not your situation specifically, let's say in today's day and age. Uh, when the you know venture capital ecosystem has uh, you know matured drastically around the D2C space, uh, what are the pros and cons of evaluating a strategic versus a VC at let's say the seed to series A, series B sort of stage? Yeah, look, I think Shashank, it's also a more relevant conversation because the opportunities for D2C founders are also now more available because you now have the e-commerce roll-up teams and the strategics and the venture yeah. capitalists. Right, so yeah. you have three options right now. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about it, right? Because look, no one is good and no one is bad, right? It's not like something is better and something is worse. It's just 
where you are in life and 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 sort of what what your business has reached and what your options are right so the good and bad of a strategic the the good is that basically you're getting someone who has some strategic interest and has some strategic value add and can genuinely add value to the business that, that's one good the other good is pretty much if you bring a strategic on board your outcome is guaranteed as a founder right see at the end of the day one thing which founders miss today right is if you raise primary capital it's great um, and it helps you build a business but it's also just on paper until you're able to monetize that outcome right and 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 look there's nothing wrong or right with it it's just like it's important for people to know this and i was fortunate to have worked in private equity to understand this so look with the strategic um you have a guaranteed outcome right the bad part about strategic is like a ccps instrument that you're raising money with your floor and cap is pretty much determined right like you know for example like okay um in all likelihood i'll make 100 rupees from this transaction but the minimum i'll make is 70 and the maximum i'll make is 130 140 right so so that's what you're letting yourself um you're 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 capping your downside but also capping your upside right the great part about a venture capitalist is basically you are getting someone on board who saying we need to grow this really really big really really fast and there is no cap on your upside and by the way i am a minority shareholder in your company so you're the one who's going to make it happen the slightly not so good part would be that look eventually you're partnering with a fund that has a fund life cycle right and so it's your fiduciary responsibility to grow the business but also give the fund an outcome right and so i think no cap on outcome at all for founder both sides right so there's no cap on downside no cap on upside um but i think in both cases right the same thing remains which is whether there is cap on upside or downside whatever it is right investment is a marriage right you're together for a very very long period of time and you have to see each other's faces whether you like it or not for a really long period of time right and and uh, when a deal is happening and and initially when the courtship is happening on both sides everyone's nice to each other and everyone's really happy with each other but eventually there in a 5 7 10 year relationship there will be tough times right and you have to i i remember hearing an investor say this and i really like that conversation said i will only invest in founders who i can have lunch or dinner with right and and eventually the relationship boils down to not just professional it boils down to a personal relationship and and i had that with my investors you have had that with your investors and you will have that with your investors going forward so i think regardless of whether it's a strategic or a vc or a seed round or an angel or a family or whatever that is right you have to be comfortable with those people right uh, and even if you're raising an angel round with syndicated or uh, the person who's leading the syndicate also has to be something or someone you're comfortable with. absolutely so it's it's funny how uh, what looks from the outside to be such an objective rational uh, quantitative decision uh given the fact that two human beings are making the decision actually comes down to a lot of emotion and a, and finding a, a thought fit and an outlook fit uh more than just the money uh so appreciate the fact that uh, you gave such an honest answer there i want to uh, now finally now that we've laid the ground deep dive into the acquisition bit of it the exit bit of it uh lift the hood and tell us what does an acquisition look like like most founders out there in india today uh, don't know what it looks like like what does it look like to the people involved in the company how does a big, small company integrate into a big company 
uh, what's the role of the founder uh, once he's he or she is exited uh, these are some of the thoughts but but uh, i like please riff on and let us know what does the acquisition look like yeah so first first thing shashank uh, i think the good thing is that now people understand that uh, an acquisition and an exit is a good thing right because us from the finance world we know it's a good thing and it's so rare but i got some super random comments and like uh people messaging saying you sold it what happened did you need the money etc etc all of that right so i think uh, with the rise of the thrasio teams plus with sort of outcomes like ours and like beardo and like just herbs and like soulful etc all of that people are understanding now what this means right? and i don't blame people who think it's a bad thing uh because it's new right and and anything that's new is okay and i could have taken offense to some really random comments that were thrown at me but i also know that look it comes from a place of not knowing right so it's okay so so i think um, from from that perspective right i think like like we don't celebrate failures enough in india we don't celebrate acquisitions enough and we should right because it just shows that there is some outcome for all the work that's been put in right and and i'm so happy to see more and more of these outcomes happen because um, all the founders that have had the acquisitions are folks who can then add back value to the ecosystem can invest in the next set of brands and and all of those things so i think that's the first sort of context around really look as an acquisition right we had a strategic investment which eventually led to an acquisition but our investors took a majority on day one right but they took a majority saying hey we we're just taking a majority today but we want you to run this business and scale it right so from that perspective there was always like i i get the question that did you always build this business to sell it no i didn't and for anybody who's thinking of ever selling their business don't build a business to sell because you build a business to sell and you can't sell it you're stuck and and that's that's end game for your business right build a good business you will get various options if you build a really good business then you choose whatever option you personally like right so never built a business to sell once we did raise capital from rpg and once we did get a strategic investment yes the writing was on the wall the deal was structured in such a way that they'll eventually acquire the business the acquisition was not Uh, thought of to be so quick uh, but the business also had a great run right and and grew very well and and covid happened and health and wellness market leadership position etc all of that so um there is there was a structure created for the acquisition to happen complete acquisition to happen um and i think um that we knew from day one right but we never even after the investment operated like it wasn't our business we always operated like it was our business we were the founders we were running the show shareholding pattern may have changed slightly that didn't that didn't change anything right and from that perspective i think our investors have to also be commended because even though they had majority they knew that the business was new and they needed to learn it and and we need to be the ones driving it so for the 18 months we did work together or, or i think 21 months we did work together um 18 of running the business together and three of the handover um it was totally our show at least for the 18 months not not for the handover period obviously because we had to start letting go um what does an acquisition look like to be honest for us it was super like it was super easy to integrate because for the 18 months we were running the business we were running the show it was just like any investor you have some sort of monthly board meetings etc all of that and sharing of data and, and tracking strategic initiatives pretty much other than that was business as usual and scale as usual and growing as usual you had a few other shareholders who were willing to help you which we had never um seen before uh, look i think the exit part right this is different in different situations right so from our perspective i said look we are we are exiting the business etc all of that they made an offer we accepted the offer and 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 we moved on and 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 decided to exit but i said specifically that 
look, it's not good for me to stick on after I've decided to exit because it will cause confusion in the organization. I'm a founder who's built a lot of the people in our organization from zero to where they are today. And so the longer I stay, the more difficult it will be. So for me specifically, we took a three month handover period where we handed over the business completely and then we left. There are other businesses which have a six month, one year, two year handover period. From our perspective, it was super easy for the team. Actually, nothing changed, right? Um, the same team is still executing the business, just that Trisha and I are not there uh, any longer, but, but the people still see the same. And some people may have the, the sort of inkling to say, Hey, I don't want to work in a larger corporate organization because eventually when a larger corporate does take charge, um, it becomes a little bit more structured. And some people say, we don't want to work in a corporate, we want to stay in a startup and those people moved on, but most of the team still stuck on and, and sort of are still part of the vision and still executing the vision. So I think that's how it works. Um, it's not as scary as it seems from the outside. It's not scary, but emotionally, how is it? Uh, because and that's a totally is, different ballgame, which I've not talked about. Yeah, that's a totally different. Ballgame. Let's talk about like as a founder, something you've given life and blood to uh, to bring up like a baby. Uh, while there is the joy and euphoria of bringing it to closure, I'm assuming there is also a bittersweet sort of feeling of having to let go of your baby and and you know now uh, watching it from a distance and. And you know, there might be decisions in the future that you like, that you don't like, directions that might be taken, but but you've taken the hard call of, you know, now being on the sidelines and giving advice, but you don't, you're not steering the ship uh, anymore. Yeah, uh, look, Jishank, I think uh, we had a discussion with the family when we decided to exit the business as well, right? And, and when we had that discussion, my dad said one thing, look, you've built this business. It's eventually yours and Trisha's decision. The moment you take the decision, whatever you take, right? The moment you decide to leave, that's it. It's over. Right? So if this becomes a unicorn or if this doesn't become a unicorn, that's not your destiny any longer. Right? You are the one who sowed the seed. Um, it became a plant under your supervision. Now, whether it becomes a stays a plant becomes a small tree, medium tree or really large banyan tree. You can just view from the sidelines and say, I, I was the one who put that seed and I watered that plant every day. And I saw it grow to this height and give these many flowers and a few fruits here and there. Right. So, so I think that was, that was advice given to us. And it was really good advice given to us at that time. So, um, that that's all rational and, and a rational way to think of it. Right. Look, I think the day we had to tell our team that night, um, we didn't sleep, both my wife and I, we didn't sleep. We were like scared, like a lot of weird emotions, um, dreading talking to our team about it. It was, it was very emotional. Like I don't cry usually. Um, I cried when I told my team, right. And I didn't expect to cry, but like, you know, weird, weird things come. Like I came to that office when I was like 24 and a half years old. Uh, and I left that place when I was 29, but pretty much between 24 and a half and 29, I got engaged and then went back to that office. I got married the day after my wedding, I had a Sunday and then I went back to that office. Um, I had my best days and my worst days of my life in that office. Um, yeah, I, I became, my wife and I became the people who we were in that office, right? So to say goodbye to that place is like super tough, right? Really, really hard. So we, we struggled to tell our team, we had to manage a lot of emotions when our team were not, um, were shocked when, when the decision happened. Uh, so it is bittersweet, right? In that sense. Um, and look, there are days when, like, I, I mean, you know me, right? I wore that doctor with this green t-shirt every day to work. Until my father-in-law said, dude, I'll make some, he's in the garments business. He said, I'll make some shirts for you. Uh, I'll put the logo, but just wear shirts. Don't wear green t-shirt every day to work. I remember very clearly, like the last day was December, 2017, 2020. 
after that we did our handover remotely also right because of covid plus we were like the more we stay in the office the, the more difficult it will be and i like remember we had a great day at the office our team made it super special i remember like i'm a big cricket fan so like it was like we entered we like got out of the elevator and it was like you scored a 100 right so basically like you have the the uh, crowd cheering you and you're like raising your bat like that we left the elevator and from the elevator till our desk we had like everyone clapping each team member giving us a rose and a personal message right so that was super emotional and and we had a great last day in the office and then i remember like we specifically asked both our families um and siblings like parents and siblings to come to the office and we all sat together on that same dining table that we ate our meals at and had pizza together and said goodbye to dr vaidya there's all of us together right so like super emotional it's tough it's not easy to say goodbye i think the one positive is i get to sleep at night right like that that you don't have at all so we get to sleep at night and like in in like march after we like officially exited the business we went to the maldives like it was crazy like we were sleeping like 9 10 11 12 hours with like no stress wake up whenever you want you wake up at 10 instead of 9 you work out at 11 o'clock i used to go to play squash at Wellington club at 11 o'clock when nobody was in the courts and all so that was like super cool new feeling like all of that was was really nice so you get that uh but you miss the 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 celebrations you miss the ups and downs you miss the roller coaster you miss all of that so i think from a from a sort of like now that i've had four months to step back and see see where where it is like i grew as a person a lot building my company um i i matured a lot as a person like i i still say that i'm a founder who came from a sheltered background and so uh i got to see a lot of reality i got like beaten down and like uh pushed to the ground multiple times and i think it made me the person i am today and and so did it make trisha as well right like like today today we taught a d2c course and i would have never imagined my wife teaching speaking writing a linkedin post all of those things we 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 sort of molded ourselves so from that perspective it's amazing to go through the journey and and look back to see what we've become like lots less hair um and 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 that's all uh, sort of gone but i think um it's amazing to see the people we became but yes you do miss the day to day you miss the office you miss your it's weird to say ex ceo dr vedyas like just really weird right um and i still get a lot of calls saying hey like would you like to advertise in a newspaper uh, would we want to nominate you for an award and i say like no i'm not uh, the right person any longer so that feels a little weird it's a bit of sweet feeling but at our age to be able to see an exit like that's that's um really rare and really powerful feeling because the power of goodbye is to be able to step right yeah. and, and and positive and negative be able to just reflect on your journey what did you do right what did you do wrong and, and the next time you do it sort of do it better yeah yeah so like can't even imagine uh, uh but but when you're talking about landing the message and they're you know, telling the team i was wondering that from whatever little i know of you you sound in general to be a democratic sort of a leader who takes everyone along and anything inclusive uh and in this decision did you also at some point of time consider that maybe take this decision also with the team or was this one of those decisions that you have to take alone and and you know deliver to the team yeah it was not something we could have taken the team along with in terms of making the decision right because see at the end of the day whether it's your team your family or friends um your advisors your mentors nobody can take this decision for you no one no one can help you with the decision as well and like i've had so many founders 
like say high five dude like amazing and so many founders also are friends who are like man you made a big mistake exiting so early right and i feel like nobody's right or wrong right like nobody's right or wrong um in in saying what they do and i think it's eventually what you want to do right and so you can't take anyone along in that decision whether it is choosing your investor whether it is taking your exit all of these things like like choosing your life partner you can't take anyone along for that decision i don't know how many people listening know this but now that arjun has become an ex ceo he's also become a present day venture capitalist he's decided to go back uh, into the investing space but not not pe this time early stage ventures this time uh, so on that arjun i have two questions that i told you but i actually thought of another question first of all that given the passion with which you speak about you know operating and starting up etc how the hell do you plan to sit on the sidelines and watch others do it yeah <laughs> so look i i think shashank i never thought i would get back to uh, investing right never ever thought i'd get back to investing um it wasn't even like like uh, a thought process for me trishan i said okay we'll take 6 months off um we'll move to the we'll move to europe like we'll go to london for 3 months we had planned may to july we'll be in london and we'll go there and we'll disconnect from the day to day of like if you're in bombay basically like you end up doing something right and and so we said chal we'll go there and then we'll find out what's next and figure it out and stuff like that and we thought of many ideas and things like that but look i think once you've gone through this journey right and you have some time to step back you're also tired right like when you're executing and you're building you're not allowed to be tired but when you step back you realize how tired you got yeah like my my i mean Uh, like running a startup for four and a half has taken a toll on my body. I was not fit. I started working out again. I realized like I cannot run a twenty-one k marathon, shutting my eyes today. Yeah, like and that's bad. I want to be able to do that. Like I've done it four times. I want to be able to do it. Um. So so we did all of that and then like realized that like for some time we don't want to um start up right. And so we said okay, okay, like we are we'll invest now. Um and we'll get involved with our portfolio companies. We made like twenty angel investments. A lot of founders reached out to us. We mentor advised a bunch of them. Spoke to like two hundred plus B two C founders, and then heard all the issues of Facebook advertising, RTOs, COD issues, website going down, these kind of things. And then I was like, that's the one thing I don't miss right now, right? Now that I've been able to step back and 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 thought very deeply. And unfortunately, we couldn't go to London, right, because of second wave, so we didn't have that option. And then thought very deeply, and then and then said, okay, maybe for a little bit, I don't want to start again. I just want to take some time off. Maybe it's um three months six months one year whatever it is and we had decided to 2021 we won't start up again um and then you know as second time or, or as exited founders you get some really interesting opportunities that 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 come your way right and i had a bunch uh, i'm going to be honest i had a bunch and a lot of vcs also reach out and and most of them just want a view right on d2c like how is it step back tell us what we should look for in a business etc all of that and and i happened to have one of these conversations with with arjun from golden west and just a general chat right there was no agenda and he said look i'm going to leave you with a crazy idea uh, we've been contemplating a venture strategy for a while and the mandate is to have an ex founder who has built and sold a consumer business who is below the age of 40 to run each of the geographies and we wanted to be a global strategy uh, think about it like this is the first time we're talking so i don't expect you to have any uh, answer for me just think about it and i was like look idea seems interesting let's talk and then we spoke for the next five weeks every monday at 12 o'clock like every monday at 12 o'clock we talk and think about like what can we add in terms of value back to the ecosystem what does this mean etc all of that and as we exit you know shashank one thing that trisha and i both really care about is we want to give back value to the ecosystem and like whatever our four and a half years of learning 
um, gives us like we want to give that back to founders in some way, shape, or form. Right? Whether it's investing, whether it's mentoring, whether it's teaching courses, like whatever it is, right? Encapsulating our learnings into a playbook and teaching that, right? So so people get access. I think that's what we were doing, and then eventually it seemed just like, hey, you're a founder who has built and sold a brand who has the opportunity to now be a part of the ecosystem and invest in the next generation of brands being a founder you may know a little bit more about what it is to operate a brand and, and getting to partner with sort of one of the best investors in the world in uh, consumer brands and products it just seemed like a opportunity i couldn't say no to unfortunately and so uh, eventually three and a half weeks ago i i kicked off my journey but it took two and a half months of conversations exploration discussion which eventually has led to the new venture strategy at Berlin Uh I think it's a superb story. Uh, I think but like a lot of shock from founders. Huh? Like, can't believe you're a VC now. Will you change your founder DNA? But I, every time I talk to founders also, I'm like, by the way, I just want to tell you I'm a founder first and then an investor. So Actually, that's going to be a big challenge huh? because uh, one of the jobs of the VC is to, you know, not run the business for the founder and 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 i assume you will be able to very minutely see what's going right and what isn't and and yet be limited to giving advice and not actually taking the reins in your own hands do you do you worry about that about keeping a distance no honestly shushang i, I don't worry right because i'm i'm mindful now that i i'm not the owner any longer or the operator right so I think from that perspective, I'm mindful. Sometimes, like from our angel portfolio companies, also I see someone making a mistake. And I'm like, don't do this, man. Don't do this. But that's all you can say, right? And and sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. And when I'm proven wrong, also I'm happy. So look, you're you're partnering with people who you think are smarter than you and who can execute better than you. And and that's the way we'll I'll I'll look at investing as well. And wherever I need to give advice, I'll give the advice. But it's not my job to um to uh, force my advice down someone's throat. Whether it's whether it's telling you something about what I feel about Whole Truth or it's a portfolio company, I'll never force my advice down anyone's throat. Super. Okay, my two questions on now you becoming a VC. Uh, one is, you were telling me that uh, World Invest was looking for someone who's built and sold a business under the age of 40. Uh, but now that you're in venture investing, you also want big outcomes. So how do you advise uh, the entrepreneurs that you now meet on building for IPO versus building for strategic sale, not building for strategic sale, but because as we know, you can't build for selling it off, but, but if they have options on the table, uh, how do you uh, advise them to think about it? Look, I think, uh, I cannot advise an entrepreneur to decide between an IPO and a strategic sale. Right? That's a very personal decision for the entrepreneur. What my job is as an investor or as an advisor, or as a mentor or whatever I, whatever a founder may see me as is, hey, look, it's really, really tough to run the day-to-day -day and still step back and see the bigger picture, right? It's the biggest problem of every founder. You get so engrossed in the day-to-day, -day, you miss the big picture, and then you end up doing the same numbers every month, every month, every month, right? The best founders actually are able to spend 30, 40% of their time on the big picture, even 30% of the time on the big picture, and the rest of the time on the operation. Look, there were many Facebooks before Facebook, many Googles before Google, many Apples before Apple. The reason these companies won is because they're operational uh, execution, efficiency, excellence, etc. All of that, but they also are able to step back and say, "Hey, like, uh, I'm not writing every single um, piece of copy, or I'm not writing every single uh, post that goes up, or all of those things, right? Because that's not scalable any longer." So I think from that perspective, my goal would be, "Hey, I've done these things, right? And and 
some of these things I've done very wrongly as well. Like I, I'm the first one to say, hey, these are the mistakes we've made at Dr. Vedya's. These are things we did right, but these are also things we did wrong. Don't do the same things wrong as well, right? And, and we have the benefit of being able to do that. So I think my job would be, hey, like, there is opportunity for you to scale exponentially, right? Don't think of one to 1.1, think of one to two. And in digital businesses or in consumer brands um, or in consumer internet, you are able to get that alpha really quickly. Right? So that's my goal. What the outcome is, how the outcome happens, what the founder chooses, that's not my um, decision at all. Uh, my decision is, hey, if you're at one today, how do we get to five in three, four years? Or how do we get to five in three years? That, that, that's what I would focus on. Yeah. And what's the one thing that as an entrepreneur you didn't like about how VCs operated that you'd like to change in the way you operate as a VC? Look, I think uh, I, I wouldn't say that I don't like anything or I like anything, right? I think that that's not my job to say. What I will say though is that I definitely want to be as myself uh, empathetic, right? Because look, I'll tell you what I've seen, right? Whether you're running a consumer brand doing 10 lakhs a month, one crore a month, 10 crores a month or 100 crores a month, you're putting in the same hours of work, right? You're still, all of us are at work 14, 15 hours a day grinding, right? Some of us have done some things more right and some of us have done some things not so right, which is preventing our scale or maybe it's the market, maybe it's the product, whatever it is, right? But that respect to founders, right, is critical. So my wife um, works as an advisor to Global Bees where they acquire these businesses as well, right? And the one thing which she also lives by is whether you're investing, angel investing, professionally investing, acquiring, strategically investing, whatever you're doing, you have to show that founder the respect. You have to show that founder. I'll tell you one story, right? Without giving names. There was a company that was looking at a strategic investment in another company, right? X company that was looking to invest is 1000 times the size of Y company that they're looking to acquire or strategically invest in. Y company said, Hey, we are open to having a conversation, but Mr. X who's thousand times the size, the deal will be struck in my office and not yours. Company X who's thousand times the size could have said, Hey, no, you come to my office for the deal to happen. And that could have been a deal breaker, right? Company X said, I will come to your office. I'll sit in your office. I'll drink your chai and I'll close the deal in your office. In two hours, the deal was closed. I don't want to say who this was, but in two hours, the deal was closed, right? So that empathy is able to change things significantly. Right? Whether you do a deal or not, that empathy is really important. And you'll remember, Shashank, you, you must have met tens of investors, right? And you'll remember even though the ones that didn't do the deal with you, you'll remember some of them to be people who really made an impact on your life. So absolutely, like we were discussing at the beginning that eventually Cetrus Paribus, it comes down to being an emotional, human-led, respect-led decision. Uh, and I loved the answer that you gave and, I, and I'm very, very certain that you'll make a brilliant VC and I wish more uh, uh, entrepreneurs and founders uh, entered the venture capital space so that that level of empathy transfers and and while this is a financial transaction uh, it is a lot more than that too because uh, a lot of people are giving uh, their life and blood to it uh, uh, and and you know we, least we can do is be respectful of each other uh, superb thank you so much arjun for making the time i i learned a lot uh, and as you said like the biggest thing the biggest two things for me were a uh, 
you know you have to have a view to where does this go because anything that lives uh, has to i don't want to say die but but you know whatever you enter you need to exit uh, eventually so you should always have a view to that uh, and the second is i love your economy that uh, uh, i met you in the pre selling days and nowadays and and you're the same person i don't see any airs about you i don't you know a lot of us sitting on the outside believe oh ab to karodpati ho gaye yaar ab to bahut kuch ho gaya and, and nothing's changed and and the fact, nothing yeah, changed. And the fact that you are uh, actually coming back to work in the same uh, ecosystem and give back uh, huge kudos to you and all the best for the future hopes thank you shashank and thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure If you like this episode don't forget to hit like and subscribe to our channel so we can continue making more of these and tell us who you'd like us to host next in the comments below ciao for now